Alice Taylor, and I'm a non-binary person, and I call myself a divine androgen. like saying that you're a monk or or a practitioner of magic or something like that. Maybe it depends on what path you walk. See, one of the things I noticed as I started to come out and started to identify as non-binary, I started to realize that there was no spiritual path for people like me. Like, I mean, there were some things like indigenous people, but I don't want to culturally appropriate. I didn't grow up on a reservation. And I think Two-Spirit is great, and I want them to keep it. And I felt like I had to define my own path. Because I didn't have a huge background in these things. And so I started to explore things. And, of course, some religions shame us, right? And then there's some religions that don't even include us. Like Wicca, I went to many rituals and... Never, not once, did they mention someone that was both or neither gender or god or goddess. Unless you asked, and then they would often have a goddess or something. But there was no language for it. And so as I started my own spiritual path, my own path of holistic learning, I learned that I really needed a spiritual path in order to be who I was. Like, I felt like it was part of humanity. It was part of being a human. And I needed to be celebrated in my spiritual path. I needed to be seen, and I didn't want any of the shame. So that's not for me. That's theirs. And so as I started to unfold, I started to realize that I had my own path, and each one of us actually do. You do. Everybody does. Has their own spiritual path that there to unlock your authenticity is in your heart just like it was in mine there were some things i had to go through to unlock those keys to get closer to who i really was inside because all of us are divine conscious beings and you have to work through some weird stuff sometimes like cultural norms and gender roles and gosh mental health and the crap your parents programmed in there sometimes we have to unfold that out and when we do we get to an authentic surface uh, authentic person when we move through those surface things and when we find our authenticity we can go deeper we can love deeper we can love ourselves deeper we can love other people deeper and we can enjoy our life fuller and more And feel more complete by the time it comes time to, you know, end. Because we all die. None of us get out of a lie. So, just consider, as you start to identify and find your gender is not something that was given. That is not something that was, you know, assigned to you when you were born. As you start to realize your gender expression, no matter what it is, I'm talking to the drag queens, the drag kings, the gay guys, transgender people, non-binary people, gender neutral people, all of us, we're all here for a reason. 
The divine sent us here. We're all here to define our own path. Make it what it is. Follow that part of you that doesn't follow the rules. The part of you that doesn't do what other people are doing. Because that part of you will lead you to the path you need to be on. And you will manifest the beautiful things that the world desperately needs. All of us are where we need you. We need you to step up and bring your most beautiful light to the world. And I hope that that's what this book does. That my book, Divine Androgen, A Sacred Path for Gender Variant People, and this channel will inspire you to find out who you are and open it up to the world and deliver it. As if we were all waiting for it. But we didn't know what we were waiting for exactly. Show us what that is. Support Rainbow Soul. Check out the Rainbow Soul merchandise for your favorite new shirt. A variety of colors and styles to suit your taste. Show off your love for Rainbow Soul. Get cool designs with your favorite quotes. Designs come in a variety of colors so that you can express your most authentic self. Support Rainbow Soul in spreading the word that queer, gender variant, intersex, transgender is sacred. Rainbow Soul, putting the soul back into queer. Order your unique Rainbow Soul merchandise at rainbowsoul.show. Welcome to Rainbow Soul, an explorative discussion about spirituality beyond mainstream religions. Hollis Taylor, author, psychic, astrologer, and alchemical mage, brings their non-binary perspective together with fellow drag king and trans man LaCrosse Ortiz, a Jewish Taino with spiritual background of exploration that has led him to an atheist perspective. Join these guys as they explore deep and difficult topics all related to spirituality, offering a queer perspective, an exploration of interesting topics, and engaging guests to help explore conversations for the rainbow soul. Welcome. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Rainbow Soul. Yet another episode of Rainbow Soul. We're so happy and grateful to be here with all of you today. And I'm Hollis Taylor. I am one of the hosts here tonight. And I'm the author of Divine Androgyny. It's a sacred path for gender variant people. 
And I, I am a witch, a psychic, a medium, an astrologer. And I love to talk about all kinds of interesting topics, especially related to helping us be better people or happier people at the very least. And um, so go ahead, Lacrosse, tell us about who you are. Hi, I'm Lacrosse Ortiz. Uh, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, Jewish atheist Taino. Um, just want to be learning, 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 so that way I can better myself and help other people. And that, yeah, that's about me. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> and I'm glad you're here tonight, Sandy. Welcome. Hi, Sandy. So glad you're here. Hey, Sandy. And thanks for commenting. And don't forget, if you've got a dream, get it in the chat now so that lacrosse can, you know, take some notes and, and get you an interpretation. And so if you've had a weird dream, because I bet you have, uh, with Neptune doing some weird dancing in the sky, creates some weird dreams for us. So if you're having some weird dreams and you're wondering what, what lacrosse's take on it is, Put it in the chat, put it in the comments, and, and we'll make sure we interpret it partway through the show tonight. And I'm excited about the topic. Lacrosse, why don't you introduce the topic? Do you think uh, you can? Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, tonight's topic is on stoicism. Um, not too long ago, somebody had told me I was a stoic, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what is a stoic? Um, and I actually started doing research and it's basically a philosophy of life. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this definitely resonates with me. Um, and yeah, that's basically it's a philosophy of, of life, trying to better your life. It's not life hacks and stuff. It's more like just using wisdom, trying to gain wisdom. So but I do have a quick video if we could put it up and it could give like a quick. Uh, yeah, let's watch it. Let's watch yeah. it. Yeah, see what it's about. So. What is Stoicism? Well, that's a good question. It began over 2,000 years ago in Athens, Greece. The founder, or should I say, one of the finders, was Zeno of Citrium, which is modern-day Cyprus. Zeno came to Greece on a boat. A storm came and destroyed a ship, and he lost everything. While walking through Athens, he came upon a bookstore and found a book on philosophy. It intrigued him, so he asked the bookkeeper, there was any philosophers he could speak with. He was sent to the Stoa, also known as the Painted Porch. It is an open market where philosophers and cynics would meet. Studying with the cynics, he then went on to open his own school. There was also Chrysippus of Soli. He was the third headmaster of the Stoa. He was mostly the foundation of the Stoicism of logic and physics. Without him, there would be no Stoicism. In the later Stoa, there was Seneca the Younger, who was a senator, Epictetus, who was a slave, and Marcus Aurelius, who was an emperor. There are three parts, logic, physics, ethics, and the virtues, wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. We will cover more on the subject during the show. Awesome. <laughs> That was a I quick breakdown. I think it's totally awesome that that you know I like Greek philosophy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I got caught up for for years. I was caught on what is good um, <laughs> for a really long time in college. Um, I don't know. It's so, for me, Greek philosophers have really said a lot, 
And when I was in the radical fairies, they spent a lot of time doing like little, uh, they were very heavy in the, at least the group I was part of, uh, they were really heavy in Greek mythology. Um, And so they would talk about like Greek perspectives and um, they would honor Greek gods. And so, so I, so I think it's pretty cool that it came from the Greek philosophers. Oh yeah. I think the, the hardest part are like some of the misconceptions <clears throat> which if we take a look, we're going to take a quick look at some of the misconceptions, which I'm sure you've heard of these, Hollis. Okay. Uh, five misconceptions. One, to be stoic, you have to be emotionless. Two, stoicism is a misogynistic philosophy. Three, stoicism are life hacks or self-help. Four, stoics teach indifference to, our, to the outer world. And five Stoics worship death. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, that sounds like things people have definitely uh, projected onto me for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, the more I read about Stoicism, the more I was like, yeah, that's kind of who I am in a lot of ways. Um, I have been accused of being emotionless, yeah. but I, but I'm not. Um, I definitely have, like, if something, if somebody comes at me with something, I can feel upset about it, but I just don't always react, especially since my Saturn returns. Um, Since I was about 30 something years old, I stopped reacting. And I actually started doing that because of Buddhism. But it's funny because they actually go like this is like the western response to like buddhism hedonism you know a lot of people because there's so many similarities and i think like all cultures end up with like a basic bottom line of 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 what treat people well be respectful you know like everybody has a basic bottom line even in religion supposed to but you know that i i've seen a lot of that yeah, and for sure, um, you know, in the, I was I was deep in in yoga prayer land when I uh, wanted to learn how to not react because one of the quotes that I heard was that um, uh, shoot now I've lost the quote real quick, but uh, it essentially means that the more um, dramatic your uh, reaction, the more it is actually coming from the past. It actually has nothing to do with what's happening right now. Absolutely. So I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience, but that usually is related to trauma. So for me at the time in the Buddhism yoga thing is I was trying to clear that. Like I was trying to not react and react from a place of trauma because I have tons of trauma. I could just be walking around reacting all day long. Um, and as a result, uh, I just started pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. And I actually use breathing exercises. So if, 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 if I'm feeling like I want to lash out, like I want to scream, Um, I want to hurt myself usually is how it comes out for me. I don't usually feel like I want to fight another person. I want to fight myself. 
which is unfortunate, but that's how it comes out for me. Um, and I know some people like feel like they want to strangle people. Sometimes I do want to punch people. So when that happens, I say, oh, hysterical is historical. Right. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Hysterical is historical. And then I just wait and I breathe. So I just want to let you guys know if I use the four point breathing exercise. One, two, three, four, breathe out for the count of four. So that's how I stopped myself from, you know, punching somebody in the face or <laughs> throwing something at someone or right, cuss, right. Cuss, usually I want to cuss somebody out or something. Yeah. How about no, you, Lacrosse? Me? Well, I was born pissed off. So <laughs> I think that was the, the, the one of the things that, um with stoicism helped me because like i i i am naturally a very angry person like it's like i said i came out i just smelt the air when i came out and it pissed me off you know <laughs> but you know it takes training and that's where like this whole thing is basically i've come to the conclusion that things are out of my control everything is out of my control there is nothing that I can control except for what is in here, what is inside of me. Um, so if I can't control the weather, what makes me think I can control another person or I can control the another situation? All I can control is how I react to it. And that's been, and it's literally like from the time I wake up, it's just like, okay, I can't control anything. So just be prepared. And just ride the wave of the day, you know, and it's, it's some people could think it's kind of Zen, but for me, it's just, it's actually the opposite. It's just like, look, I can't do shit about it. So I got high blood pressure. I can't add on to any more than what I do. So it's just making that conscious decision of just saying, no, I, 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 I can't allow this to affect me. So, um, yeah, yeah so and I think control is the hardest part. Like when yes. you say, like, I mean, because most of the time, even if someone has done something to us, um, we want to react with fuck you and everything else so we can let them know that we're angry at them. Right. And where does um, offense come from? We're angry at them because we're offended. But where does the offense come from? Right. That's where you got to start. It's, and <laughs> the it's offense like, is ours. It's like, mm, well, and so I, um, I personally have struggled with this, uh, that, you know, that I wanted to let the other person know that I was angry or let them know how much they hurt me. Um, or whatever it was. And I, because why, why do they need to know? Well, because I want to control the way they're, because I think that will influence the way they're acting. And what ends up happening is that is not true. No. It does not influence them. Uh, and I had to learn that the hard way. And not everyone uh, feels things quite as intensely as I do. Right. So they may not be feeling it as intensely. And then as a result, uh, there's a, like a, a not like this person is doing this and I'm doing this and I can't control what they're doing. Right. 
Which so, goes to when you're when you're stoic, the first that first point that we are emotionless. And it's not that we're emotionless, it's that you're picking and choosing what emotion to have. It's, and and it's hard. Like I know, oh, here's an example. There's somebody I work with, and ah, oh, like, you know, you ever get that one coworker that just oh just gets you and it's like they just have to walk in the room and you're just like, oh, my God. And here all these about you're already offended and they nothing even came out of their mouth. Nothing. And just looking at that and I'm like, OK, I can be offended. I can. I have every right. This is what I feel. But where is my offense coming from? Why, why am I being offended? Like, like start really digging deep. And is it worth being offended is what it boils down to. Is it really worth it? So if it's not worth it, then you know what? They're going to come in. Th- 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 okay. Okay. All right. Sure. All right. I'll see you later. I got I to go deliver something, you know, and call it a day. And that's where that emotionless comes in. It's not that you're emotionless. It's that I chose not to allow that person to irritate me, not to allow that person to get the best of me and just let it go. Because it's at the end of the day, once it doesn't offend you anymore, it's theirs. It goes back to them. Right. And I definitely had an ex who I had an ex who would intentionally try to upset me. Um, and then when I didn't get upset, she would um, she would get mad at me. Yeah. And that's she actually, cre- you know, the more she did that, the more I chose not to react um, and the more I got practice, actually. So I just want to say sometimes when you're in a bad relationship like that and you're like, why am I in this relationship? Even if it does come to an end, because it definitely did years late years ago, um, was that, you know, I, I realized what I, the biggest lesson I learned from her was stoicism, really right. not having that emotional reaction and instead just being steady and listening and paying attention to what my experience was or what my thought pattern was right. because behind every emotion is a thought and that's what i started to realize and she, yes she was like sandy said earlier some people say things or do things just to get a reaction from you right i totally agree sandy and let me just say those people are your practice mm-hmm. because then you practice not giving them that reaction. Um, and that was actually a, a, a tough, it wasn't easy, but after a while I got pretty good at it. And I impressed myself a few <laughs> times where I was like, I can't believe I managed to not blow up at that person. Um, even though I really wanted to, um, and I, and I managed to just hold my tongue and not say anything because I didn't think the argument was worth it. Right. Right. right? That's you what know? it boils so- down to. It's that picking and choosing that people, you know, and, 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 and that's where reactions come in. Like you have your initial reaction. You know, we were just talking about this earlier before the show, that ultimate like instinct reaction that, you know, like somebody offends you and, oh, what, you know, and you're ready to go off and lose your shit. And then there is the correct judgment of saying, okay, yeah, you're trying to insult me and you're trying to offend me. 
And, and, and what's going to happen is, is people like that, they, they, they don't care what your reaction is, whether it's negative or positive. They just want one. And when, when you stop giving a reaction to them, they get tired and they leave you alone because they're like, okay, I'm not going to get anything out of it. You know, I'm not going to get anything. And I'm always the first one to say, look, if you're that hungry, go to McDonald's. Okay. Because I'm not feeding you. I'm not going to feed that, that ideal. And you're not going to get that reaction. So, yes, exactly. And, and I think that, you know, actually some of us have had to deal with narcissism in our lives and the, the, you know, psychiatrists will tell you that your best defense against the narcissist that you have to face is actually um, the gray rock method, which essentially is no emotion, not allowing them to see your emotion. And I had to do that um, after my marriage ended. And then I was in another cult-like situation and the leader was intentionally saying things to try to upset me right and i realized that that was happening and i was just like kind of walking away and stuff like that but then it, it came to a point where we we're actually face to face and he mm -hmm. was doing that kind of thing and i had to do the gray rock method i had and I didn't even know I was doing it. I just knew that it was the best that when I know what it feels like when a person is manipulating you and trying to get you to be upset um, and trying to get you to react. And if you choose not to react, right. you will be surprised at how fast it comes to just it's like it's like the person that's trying to upset you just runs into right. a brick wall again and again, and then you are less affected. Right. And, and you, and I did, I'm, I'm still going to say, I still had emotions in those yeah. situations. I still had to walk away with my ex, you know, she would upset me in a way and I'd have to go out, sit under a tree, do what I had to do for myself. And then, and eventually I would come into my emotions. Sometimes I would cry um, sometimes I would rip things up because I was angry. Um, and the same thing happened with the narcissist. I'm not saying I don't have emotions. I just don't let them see it. Right, right, right. Which is different. That's, that's uh, a huge difference. It's a huge difference. Um, and that's where, like I said, stoicism isn't just, it's not just quotes. It's, it's a philosophy of life. It is literally, I have this one right here you know recognize what you can control you determine your reaction to a crisis ignore people dominated by their own negative emotions master yourself and aim to be virtuous learn to move on and people think these are like these quick easy steps no, no. It, you got to figure out how to just get that first one how do you master that about your reaction you know that's a that's a hard thing so then that's where in stoicism they have what they call the stoic garden where it's logic um physics and oh i think it's i'm sorry i gotta pull the picture up ethics okay logic defends oh, us from on. bad reasoning 
Okay. So logic helps us go, is this worth it? Is this yes. an argument even worth it? Right. Um, physics teaches us how the, how world, the world works. works. Ethics, what is all what it's all about, the study, the study of good living. living. So your logic comes in when okay, perfect example. What's logical? We think of logic. Um first off, all our logic comes from our peers, everybody around us, what we feed into our eyes, what we see, whether it's uh News, even social media, we automatically assume, well, if it was on Google or Facebook, it has to be true. Logic defends you, you know, and it tells you, hmm, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't connect. That doesn't make any sense because logic has to make sense, you know, mm -hmm. and hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And when you look at the logic, you know, it'll put you to the point where, uh, where then you can start going to the physics. Well, why, why, you know, you start questioning, start studying, you start figuring out. And then the virtues, those are the fruits. These are the fruits. Okay. So if you figured out, that's not true. That's bullshit. I don't need it. Remove it. I'm not living in a falsehood. You, then you move on simple, you know, it's, right. it's pretty simple. Um, so the stoic garden is basically your whole map of how you're, you're supposed to live a stoic life. So, which, like I said, has been very helpful to me because now it's a matter of, like I was telling you earlier, you know, a lot of people are into that, you know, I'm going to call out to the universe and I'm going to wish all these, I'm, I want, I'm going to call these good things to me. That never worked for me. I could call all day and all night and guess what? I'm not getting anything because it's just, and they, oh, well, you didn't have faith. No, maybe it's just, that's not what works for me. You know, it, it's just not, but I'll wake up and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to run into this person. I'm going to do this. This is going to happen. I could get hit by a car. This could get all these bad things could happen. So what am I doing? I'm preparing. I'm not speaking it into existence. I'm preparing. In other words, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So if I'm preparing for everything and then at the end of the day, I come home I didn't get hit by the car or the bus. You know, I, I was able to interact with that person and say I didn't choke them up or I didn't want to kill anybody. You know, I was able to contain and control how I reacted it because I was already prepared the bad things were going to happen. So then when I came home, I could lay my bed, lay in my bed and lie down and say, it wasn't a bad day. It was actually pretty good because all these things I had already imagined to happen didn't happen. You know, and that's an exercise that I use in the morning. I'll literally shower and I'll, I'll envision everything bad. What could go wrong? And then at the end of the night, nope, none of it happened. It's a good day. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, I guess um, I've gotten to a point now where I try not to judge my days mm. um, as good or bad. This is just what happened. Right. Um, and I don't have any expectations about any day. <laughs> I try not to. Which is even better. Because anytime I do, anytime I do, it usually ends up smacking me in the face later. Right. So I'm just saying that, you know, and I agree with Jamie Angel here. Uh, first of all, Jamie, I want to speak to what you said here. When one is an empath, one must be aware of the energy vampires, those who feed off emotional reaction. No reaction starves them of their power. Absolutely. Exactly, Jamie. And the one thing I've noticed is that narcissism and energy vampires seem to be one and the same, especially energetically. Um, they, 
so a person that's an energy vampire also tends to be a little bit tense. I've noticed that they're they're the same thing. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I you know, I, I didn't always know that until recently when right. I started putting it together and really paying attention to narcissism and things like that. Because you know, I mean, I have a, an education in psychology, and narcissism has a very long list of um i think it's actually about like nine traits and in order to be a narcissist you have to have like seven of those nine traits wow. okay um so so we throw the word around a lot as a light word saying oh they're a narcissist or whatever because there's a great awakening happening around narcissism right now but th we're becoming aware that there's these people in the world that feed off of negative energy Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't even think they're aware of it. So the person doing it. So if you've had a narcissist in your life or an energy vamp, they are not usually aware that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Just a, by the way, they're mentally ill, they're sick. And that's the other thing. That's where I come across is mm -hmm. with people is I just kind of go, hmm, they must be mentally ill. And I feel right. bad for them that they're actually sick and I have compassion. Exactly. Uh, you know, which is and... a, which, which is a huge point of stoicism is the fact that you have compassion because of the fact that you cannot control it. If you, you can't control another human being for the way they are. <clears throat> and if they are destructive and they're not conducive and they're not progressive in, or pro productive in your life, you need to learn to move on and then have compassion because <clears throat> they're not at a space where they can actually even see the damage that they're doing. And that's that's pretty sad. You know, we wouldn't hate a dog that's biting its own arm to get out of a trap. We'd feel sorry for it. So it's the same thing with our fellow human beings. We need to have that compassion and feel sorry for them. You know, that, that they just don't see they're biting their own leg to get out of their own trap. And compassion does <laughs> not mean that you have to let them in your life. <laughs> Once again, like I said, move on. Poof. You can still poof them. <laughs> poof. Out of my kingdom. <laughs> right and we can and we can and just exactly what jamie angel just said which is we can have compassion but we can also choose our level of exposure on our own well-being like bright hawk always says put them in the right orbit yeah. so they might need to go land on pluto okay <laughs> and you know be as far away as possible and that's okay right, um right. and you don't have once that happens so you were talking about letting go and like the thing is is that you have to let go so like you know if if you have a run-in with somebody and now you're like okay we definitely need space we can't talk anymore or whatever you have to let that person go and you have to let go of your own anger your own pain or confusion about it like i usually end up with a lot of confusion um like what did I do? What was my part in this? I, t I, I take too much responsibility usually. Um, and then, and then sometimes I feel guilty for things. So, you know, just, I want to say that when you're having that full emotional range, that that's okay. Just try to find a way to let it go. Right. And I think that's kind of what stoicism teaches is that it teaches a way to let that go. Right. And, and, and I think, a, a big release because when you realize that it's not under your control, like there's this relief that comes off of your shoulders because the truth is it isn't yours anyway. 
So why are you holding on to it? Let it go. <laughs> you know? right. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. Cause I had gone through that, you know, I was, uh, there was this beautiful quote that, uh, that, that I had heard. It was nothing is ours. Nothing is ours. Your house is not yours. Your wife is not yours. Your children are not yours. These are just borrowed from the universe. And then at the end of the day, if the universe decides that they want it back, you have to let it go, but without regret and be thankful for what you did have. I had this beautiful relationship or I had this, whatever you got out of it, just be thankful for it and don't regret it. Even in the bad things, like I could sit there and regret a lot in my life, or I could sit there and say, wow, it was tragic of what happened, but I have to let it go. And then what good did come out of it? I will never subject myself to that situation again, you know, lesson learned. You know, and that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, the whole thing is, is about that control thing. That is what, what stoicism is. The biggest point of it is that control. I think we were talking about it earlier. What was it called? Um, oh, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, about control? The, 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 dichotomy the dichotomy of control. Yes. And that is nothing is under your control outside of here. Nothing. And even your own body is not under control because if it decides to get sick, you can't control that. And sometimes you can't even control your own emotions, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but it doesn't mean if a person has triggered you, that's what I call it, a trigger. Mm-hmm. Someone has done something and you're feeling something. I just want to say I give you ultimate permission, no matter where you are in the world in that moment, to walk away. Yeah. Because I've done it myself. I even got in trouble in high school for walking out of a classroom when a teacher was truly triggering me. Um, and I did get in trouble and I had to face those consequences, mm-hmm. but um, I left because I felt like if I didn't, I was going to get really angry at this teacher. Um, I definitely did have an explosive teenage uh, experience. And so I just want to say that, like, so you can't control your emotions, but when they come up, you can decide how they'll be expressed. Right. Um, So when you so a lot of us have a trauma response Mm -hmm. uh, and you can feel it in your body and you know it because it's hysterical, especially when it doesn't align with the logic. Right. So in your logical mind is saying, okay, this person said something that wasn't very nice, but you're reacting as if this was the bully from high school. Right. Because that happens to me because I was severely bullied. And so I have that and I'm reacting as if I was bullied. But really all that happened was a person just said something that wasn't very nice or didn't include me in something or something like that. And that's and that's it's okay for me to feel those feelings, but to be aware that the hysterics that are coming up are actually from the past. Right. And I think when you become aware of that, it can slow you down. And then you can kind of grab a hold of the handlebars, if you will, and go, huh, let yeah. me take a break yeah. and, and, and just pull over and right. take a break. Um, and that's where you can start to apply your logic, which is yeah. part of stoicism. Right. And oh, I think absolutely. Jamie Angel here said, Logic is quantitative in nature. Old educational methods using the trivium. I'm not familiar with that, Jamie. 
uh, used logic as the pillar under which math and science were taught. Yeah, okay. and logic for me works. Yeah. Like, I mean, I well, you, logic and science walk hand in hand. Logic and science, especially in Stoicism, it's, it walks hand in hand. Um, because basically what happens is in the end, we have what we call Heracles circle. Okay. Which I'm going to show a quick diagram of that. Okay. Okay. That's Heracles circle. Now it's not us working our way out. Actually, it's literally bringing everything in and bringing it describe this. Let's describe this circle for the uh, podcast for Absolutely. people listening on the podcast. Uh, so it's like a circle that starts in the middle with you as, as right. yourself. The mm-hmm. next level of the circle is family. is family. The next then... level is friends. The next level is community. And the next level is all of humanity. And then the next level is planet Earth, the place we live. Right. right. And so, the objective yeah. is to collapse it inwards, to bring awareness. Because you're not going to have any awareness if you're not seeing this through all these different perspectives like you're not going to care about animals if you're stuck on yourself if that makes any sense it has it's collapsing in and as it collapses in everything because everything is interconnected everything as you see is a part of that circle you're included in that big circle not the big circles included in you and when you realize that you're included in that big circle then you start realizing Okay, I'm a part of a bigger picture than just myself. There's more to life than just me. Me is, like I always say, ego is the biggest I syndrome. It's one of the biggest sicknesses in the universe. It's I syndrome. I want this. I want that. I need this. I need that. And when you can remove yourself, your I and your ego out of it is when you can actually start focusing and then allowing that to collapse in. And allowing and realizing that we're all interconnected. Everything is interconnected. There is no one without the other. You can't have yourself and no friends or family. You can't have family or friends without yourself. All of it. There's the community. Same thing. So instead of it branching out from you, collapse it into you. So that it gives you constant awareness of the entire world and universe. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. And being connected, realizing uh, this makes me think about the impact thing that I learned at Standing Rock that became so apparent to me at the time. Um, you know, it was years ago during Standing Rock. And I really came out of that um, protest understanding by the indigenous people. They taught us yeah. that to be aware of your impact. How do you impact a room when you walk in? Right. Um, How do you impact those around you in any given moment? So like, that's the other thing about anger is that like, if someone has triggered you and then you go home and you're trying not to think about it or whatever, someone pissed you off at, at work and then you come home and you're making your dinner and your partner says something and it's not quite what you wanted to hear in the moment and you start yelling at her or them, okay? And that that is now your anger at somebody else earlier in the day that's probably related to some historic event. And now you've carried it all the way home and your anger impacts your whole family and home 
And I assure you that they take it outside of the home right? and they take it with them. And then that impacts your, you know, your friends and your local community right. and that, inf- and it infects the whole of humanity as right. a result. If exactly. you're not aware of how your anger, your impact in any given moment impacts that entire circle. Absolutely. Because the earth won't be a better place until we all learn to love and respect each other. Right, right. And that is, uh, that's where, where, what you're talking about, that impact in, in, in stoicism, it's physics. It's cause and effect. Every cause has an effect. So if you know that, if our objective is to be one with all of this, to all realize that we are all interconnected, everything we do, like you said, is impacting. So if I have a bad day with my wife, it impacts my wife. It moves off further than that, which could impact our child, our children, which could impact, then they take it, could impact their partnerships and constantly keep, instead of collapsing it in, now you're collapsing it out, which is that cause and effect, which makes it worse. Because then right. you're losing all the compassion, you're losing your love for each other, you're losing, and, and then there's a bigger effect that's going to happen because nothing comes without a consequence. And here's a little tip for long-term relationships. Is it really worth arguing over something stupid? They left the milk out on the counter and you had to put it away this morning. Maybe they were in a hurry, you know, or they just forgot or they had a little, they had something on their mind and you know, you could just forgive them and you have to think about that in a long-term relationship. So if you're in a relationship, you have to think about is this argument worth it? Is this worth bringing up? Like, I just don't think you need to bring it up every time somebody does something stupid, like they left the milk out on the counter. Like, but I had an ex that really did. She became very critical and every little thing I did, she would bring it up. And that was, and that I believe that ruined the relationship that along with a lie and um, some other behaviors and that manipulative behavior of trying to get me to react. So I'm just saying that you have to be aware of your impact on other people around you because that's how, that's why our world is so out of whack because so many people are walking around that have forgot that ancient because the indigenous people said it was an ancient message that they Mm they themselves honor as part of most of the indigenous communities honor knowing your impact at all times. Yeah. Like that's just kind of the way the lifestyle is of being an indigenous person. Yeah. Um, So really, really taking that in, knowing your impact, knowing how, how that circle of um, some, I seen somebody refer to that circle too, as the, your circle of influence. Mm. It could be. It could so be. they they influence you and you influence them. Right, right, right. It could be. It could be. Um, and I guess moving like past the physics, the cause and effect in stoicism, you, then you go to the fruits, which are, I think it's wisdom, justice, temperance, and oh, let me see. I got it right here. Wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. It's funny because like, the Stoics were really big into social justice, which they're that whole thought process, thought process of it being a misogynistic 
uh, philosophy goes out the window. Sadly, the reason it's a misogynistic philosophy is because sadly, white cis men have become stoics and they have made it that way. But it is not at all what it originally intended. It was about social justice. Everybody had a right to be equal, respected, and and treated well. Like that, that was just a baseline in stoicism. If anything, they encouraged women to be um, stoics. I think there's Portia. She was a uh, Cato the Young. He, he was like an emperor or a king. It was his daughter. She was one of the biggest stoics, and she was female. You know, um, I was wondering so, if it maybe said that because of the assumption that you didn't have any emotional emotions. Well, and that's once again, it goes with that misconception where it's just that's it's just so far from the truth. Um, but like the misogyny, like all that. But social justice is like key. One of the key things in in stoicism, you know, because it, how are we going to sit there and look at Heracles circle? And then just say, oh, well, we can't include women. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's ludicrous. You know, if it's about the complete society, women are included. So there's no way that we could sit there and say, oh, well, it's really it's misogynistic maybe today with some people. But that's not what it was originally intended or how it how it was intended. It was meant for everybody because everybody contributes to society. Everybody contributes to you to the universe. You know, I think um, Socrates said, I am Athenian, I am Corinthian, and I am a citizen of the world. He didn't say I'm just here. I'm a citizen. I'm a part of the entire thing. So it, you can't be misogynistic and, and live these core keys of life. It's it's completely contradictory. Right. Sadly. But yeah. As with everything, things get polluted, as with everything, whether it's religion, whether it's stoicism, whether it's there's always somebody out there to pollute it. Always does seem yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that sometimes um, sometimes people uh, project these kinds of things onto it because yeah. uh, it triggers something within them. Yeah. Uh, and usually that's historical. Just going to say, if a trigger happens, just look at your history and try to figure out where that came from. Um, and I feel like when you know that logic, yeah, it's easier to know that. But yeah. I think I think also that, you know, um, to, to be misogynistic or I, I think that's kind of it's silly. And I think it has also to do with the emotional part of it, because it can look like the person is not having an emotional reaction. But what we need to remember is that some people take emotions to the backstage. Right, right, right. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. They want to minimize their impact. And I think that's okay. Right. If if you're having an emotional reaction and you choose to take it backstage or into the bathroom with your best friend or your partner or or by yourself, you know, I used yeah. to take it to a tree, you know, uh, I've, I've done that, taking it to a tree. If I get really upset, just take it to the trees, sit within the trees and stare at the leaves and try to, and try to see what the trees might have to say about it. Right. Um, just because that's a commerce place and state for me. Uh, so I think um, 
I think the lack of emotion kind of gives it that overall feel, but I, I, yeah. I don't think it's a lack of emotion. I think it's just choosing to do something different with your emotion. Right. That's all. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So, and I think uh, what w I was trying to think of the things that, that it helped you harvest. Um, it was wisdom. Yes. Um, that sort of the rewards of it. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It would I've be had wisdom, people... courage, and courage. You know, like okay, wisdom. A lot of people think is like, oh, I'm going to become all knowing, and that's not it. Wisdom is just having the ability to make the correct judgment in any given situation. That's what wisdom is. Okay, it has nothing to do with like, oh, I'm so up here and I am so wise. No, it's just you're making a good decision that's right for that situation. That's all it is. And courage. People think courage is, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand and fight. No, it's just courage because you're dealing with a situation that you don't want to. That takes courage. There are so many situations on a day-to-day -day that we don't want to deal with. But it takes courage to be able to stand up and say, you know, I'm just going to deal with this. I you think know? the courage also comes in when you've dealt with some things. Yeah. And you were able to deal with them in a calm way, in a way that right. you feel good about. Right. And then the next thing you know, then the next thing you know, when it is time, when something hard is coming at you like a slow freight train, right? <laughs> We've all had that happen to us. We're like, oh, here it comes. Yep. Right. It's you in know, 3D. <laughs> right. It, it starts coming towards you. That actually facing that and being yeah. prepared for that. If you've had some good experiences in the past where you were able to handle it, when that's happening, you can be like, well, whatever happens, I'll be able to handle this. Right. Um, and so I think I think that all, that's happened to me now as I've gotten better at handling emotional yeah. experiences. When I see it coming, I can just be like, okay, well, I've handled stuff in the past. So whatever happens, I'm sure I can handle it. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, kind of what I tell myself. So I think that it gives you courage because of that. Right. And then so you, what happens is, is what you just did. The temperance. You're like, okay, I had the courage. I was able to face it. Now I have the temperance to be able to control how I'm going to react to it this time or how I'm going to react. And this is something that you learn over time. This is, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be a stoic and you say, you know, I throw everything out in the universe and I'll be able to handle it. No, no. This is literally a day to time, minute, moment by moment, situation by situation. This is not something that it takes years to cultivate. Here yeah. I am, I'm 53 and I'm just beginning to cultivate. It, it takes time and it takes, but it takes effort, you know, also because, you know, not everybody wants to face themselves. Not everybody wants to see themselves. People, a lot of people like to stay in what I call the matrix. You like to stay in that illusion of what you think you are, you know? So, but yeah, then comes the temperance. And then what was the last one? Oh no, justice. Like justice. Justice is also. Mm -hmm. Which so. I guess is what you were saying about the uh, social justice. Yes. And how it brings you to social justice. And maybe that's why, um, you know, that's why we were attracted to this way of thinking without even knowing that we were attracted to it right. um, because of the social justice parts. Cause I'm definitely like a person that 
wants everyone to be treated fairly. And I think even people that are like um, racist or whatever, like they don't know they're racist usually. I mean, definitely there are some white hat racists walking around and they know they're racist and they're okay Mm -hmm. with it. But the, the mass majority of people that are a little on the racist side. And then if you try to call them on it, they're like, no, I'm not. I think all people, if you come down to it, they'll say, yeah, I want everyone to be treated equally. Mm-hmm. I want all people to have the same opportunities as everybody else. Um, I want everyone to have the same rights as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And most of us can agree on that. And I think that's worldwide. Yeah. That's worldwide, unless they're suffering from mental illness. Um, most of the time, I think people can land. And that's kind of what the Dalai Lama teaches. Right. right. He teaches that. Yeah. Uh, and stoicism reminds me of the way of the, the Buddhist monk. Yeah, like I said, that's the Western response to uh, uh, to the only thing is, I don't know that they were necessarily monks. Um, some were, some weren't, but... Uh, yeah, it's it, it's like the the response, but that's why I think I, it, it goes to show there's this baseline across humanity and across the universe where the indigenous people, like we're talking about impact, the indigenous, and then here, you know, um, Seneca is talking about it, and then here you talk about Confucius is talking about it. There is a baseline of humanity that all of them come to an agreement with, and it has to do with respect the earth, respect each other, love each other, have compassion because of how it impacts everything else. Right. You know, but at the end right. of the day, it does start with yourself. It can collapse in. It's either going to start with you or it's going to finish with you. One or the other, you know, so which goes yeah. into that obsession with death. I, I do want to make a statement. Yes. I was wondering about that. I was I okay, wait, but we can talk about that when we come back. Yeah. Because I was like, I was like, what? Obsessed with death? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was like, that feels like a projection. Um, and so anyway, so when we come back, we'll talk about the misconception about being obsessed with death and stoicism. Yeah. Right now we're gonna take a, just a quick break. Take a minute, go to the potty, get yourself a drink. I'm going to have a cigarette. (laughs) And check it out. And don't worry, even our commercials are cool. Yep. Divine Androgen, a sacred path for gender variant people. A book dedicated to every drag performer, transgender person, and other gender variant people that have passed to the other side that have suffered the wrath of our binary world. Thank you for living your truth and treading us a path. We are sorry that in many cases that cost you your life. Now, we ask for your assistance in helping humans evolve so that we may all live in peace and equality. We honor your life by walking our own personal path of authenticity get this amazing book all about living as a non-binary person a gender variant person in a binary world how to navigate it how to harvest your true self when you're surrounded by binary it's a guidebook for people searching for their true selves the book is intended for people that are gender variant 
and can be helpful for people searching for a more authentic self or clearing trauma. This book is about treading your own path. It includes my story in the beginning, all about how I figured out how I express gender and now how it comes out for me, how I discovered it, and how I dealt in the world as a response to that. And it also details out the ways that I unfolded myself in a way that helped me live in a binary world, even though I was non-binary. There are steps in here to help you define your own path. Hollis uses the word divine androgen. It's like a label to define someone that defines their own authentic path regardless of their gender expression, in a way to say that it is sacred to be non-binary, to be transgender, to be queer. It is sacred. Not religious. No, no. We're talking about more of a spiritual, conscious awareness of ourselves and our path on authenticity. This book is about defining your path authenticity as authentic and unique as that is for you you can also order the book at divineandrogen.com jack of all trades master of none but oftentimes better than a master of one so what exactly does that mean it is a figure of speech in reference to a person who has dabbled in many things rather than gaining expertise by only focusing on one so much knowledge and wisdom out there, at our fingertips, yet so difficult to grasp. Everything and everyone has a little piece of the truth, and it is up to us to determine what our truth is. In this busy world, creating the time, the space to nourish our bodies, mind, and soul has become a difficult task. So let's take a moment to learn something, something small, in whatever way the universe decides to reveal it. It could be someone's story, a quote, a spiritual practice, maybe a song or a movie. The opportunities are limitless and all around us if we just take a moment to see. We are all students of life experiences, so let us learn from one another. There is no right or wrong path. There is only your path and your journey. So let's begin our adventure and explore all the world has to offer and let us become a master of none. Support Rainbow Soul. Check out the Rainbow Soul merchandise for your favorite new shirt. A variety of colors and styles to suit your taste. Show off your love for Rainbow Soul. Get cool designs with your favorite quotes. Designs come in a variety of colors so that you can express your most authentic self. Support Rainbow Soul in spreading the word that queer, gender variant, intersex, transgender is sacred. Rainbow Soul, putting the soul back into queer. Order your unique Rainbow Soul Merchandise at RainbowSoul.show All right. Welcome back. We're back. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad we're back. And because uh, I, I was looking uh, during the break, I took a moment to look. Sandy posted uh, her dream, <laughs> yes. uh, which I was like, wow, you keep having the same dream. That would drive me a little crazy. The last six or seven dreams I've had every house or business I go into, I need to find the bathroom. Uh, I don't need to use it, just know where it is. Then I'm frantic to find the exit. I don't use it, just need to know where it is. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty direct uh, dream. Basically, let's think, what do we use bathrooms for? You pee and you poop. And you release all the toxicities that are in your body. Okay. Um, so you constantly looking for a bathroom is you looking for a safe space, which it's supposed to be safe. Only you can use it. Nobody should be in there when you're using it. It's private so that you can release all the toxins, all the negativity, all the bad. Now you don't use it and you're frantic to find the exit. You just need to know that it's there. So it's just you processing in your head. I need a safe space where I can remove all this negativity. I can remove all this toxicity because if you don't release it, what happens if you don't use the bathroom? You get septic. I you guess you will, get full of shit. <laughs> yeah, you, people have actually died because they get so septic in their body because they're full of shit. I mean, I know it sounds terrible, but it's the truth. And what happens is, is if you don't release, you get, you get toxic and septic. It will affect you. So um, that's what I get from the dream. It's, you, you need to know that you have a safe space where you can remove all that negativity, all that bad out of you. And not so much bad, just processed shit. Once, it's, once you processed it, now you got to let it go. So you got to find that space and you keep looking for that space. You just need to know what's there. You find it, you just need to know what's there. You don't have to use it, but you just need to know what's there. It's that comfort for you. That's what I get from it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really powerful. I totally yeah. didn't think of that, but I love what you're saying there, lacrosse, because safe space is important for all of us. Mm -hmm. And even tying into our topic of stoicism, like if you're, that's what I do is immediately, if I feel something happening in my body, um, I get away from the person or the situation. And then I usually check in with someone that I consider safe, right. um, someone that I trust. And uh, because I, I want the other person to be honest with me and most if somebody knows that um, that I consider safe, they're going to know that about me. They're right. going to know that I want the truth. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to come to them and say, this is what happened. I don't know. I might be coloring it this way or that way. But what do you think? Or here, can you read this text message with this person? Is it me or I don't understand what's happening here. Help, can you help me? And I think that that's, I think all of us need that. Yeah. I think every single one of us, Sandy. So I don't know, you know, if you need some, if you know, maybe you need to just make sure you know where your safe places are. Um, take the time to develop those safe relationships with people. Um, and these days, I, I read an article that was talking about, making friends as an adult that hmm. that's actually harder than you think because we used to go to high school you know we used to go do things and nowadays there's so much separation and like 
you know, you don't know if this person's like, you know, Legit. Trump supporter <laughs> or something, you know, you're yeah. like, do I have to go there? But yeah, you do have to go there. But eventually you'll, you know, you'll will find some people. The hard part is is getting out there. The yeah. hard that's the hard part. That's make new friends. It's not um it like makes me think of the I used to be a brownie. Um <laughs> and they used to sing that song. Make, Make new, new friends. friends. Keep the old. I was a brownie too. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that song comes to my mind all the time, and I don't. I don't tell anybody. Now I just admitted to everybody on Rainbow. So, so did I. Thanks a yeah. lot. <laughs> I've been trying to hide that past. <laughs> I was a terrible brownie. <laughs> I hated it. It was terrible. Oh, all they wanted like, me seriously. to do was so. I had way oh. more, way more fun in uh, Boy Scouts. <laughs> And spiral scouts and spiral scouts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so great. anyway, yeah. So I just want to say, you know, safe space. I totally, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, yeah that's exactly what's going on there. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, for sure. So oh. uh talking about stoicism and death. Death. So what's yes. up with that? Why is that a misconception? Why do people think that stoicism thinks means you're like we're obsessed, obsessed with, with death? death. Uh, the reason being is is because we talk so much about it. There is one thing that is inevitable, and that is death. And you can prepare for it and await it and whatever, but it's inevitable. So basically, like I told you, uh, one of my uh, morning routines is I get up in the morning and I'm like, I could die today. I could die today. Today could be the day I go. And what can I do if it is today? How can I contribute to hum humanity? What can I do that I can do better? Um, like, that's, that's me. I mean, not every stoicism is so, so broad. I mean, and th there are so many quotes about death in, in stoicism. Um, but at the end of the day, that is the only one thing you can guarantee. And most of all, that is the main thing that is not under your control. You cannot control your death. So, um, no, you, and I thought, I thought the idea of life, I mean, I thought maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I thought everybody thought the main point in life is to live each day to its fullest as if you were going to die, die tomorrow. Yeah. But Stoics are more vocal about it, I guess. Oh. I got everybody. They're going to go and they're going to go to the corner store. I got them dead before they leave the door. Okay. Make sure you're careful. Okay. Make sure. You know, but, oh, okay. You know, but I guess that's a good Jewish mom. You know, I, I, I sit there and I'm, I'm, I'm a good Jewish mom. But uh, yeah, but it, it is, they, they feel it's like an obsession. And the truth is, it's just an acceptance. It's just, I'm going to die and we're all going to die. That's it. So what are you going to do in the meantime? Uh, there's this one quote about this. Uh, uh, I forget who it is that he was saying, I know that I'm going to die, but right now my lunch is ready. So I'm just going to eat my lunch and I'll worry about death after my lunch. In other words, you, you can't, it's going to happen. Don't stress over it. There's nothing you can do. Just do what you can now. And right now all he cared about was eating his lunch and not worrying about death. Yeah. And I've, I've stood at the, you know, I've done a lot of death midwifery, uh, mm -hmm. which is death midwifery is when a person is present, uh, sometimes in a medical experience, sometimes not. 
um, and they're at a person's side as they're dying. Okay. Um, and that experience, and, and let me just say, it just happened to me by chance when I was little. And then later on, I kept finding myself at the sides of people's deathbeds. And it was just a weird coincidence. Uh, it's just, it's obviously spirit trying to call me towards that. I feel that it's the universe pointing me in my destiny. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it just so happened that I, and then as a nurse, you definitely, you know, you're at the side of all, especially in a nursing home. Good grief. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then I did let's dance where, you know, I was dancing with people at the end of their life. Okay. People, that were in their last, you know, last days of their life. And I think I learned, you can learn that. So if you've ever, if you find yourself afraid of death or um, resisting the, the topics around death, um, because it definitely happens for some people. I noticed that some people right. have a hard time even talking about death, like as if, and I'm like, uh, well, it happens to everybody. No one gets out of this alive. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. But I think to get to that point that we're talking about lacrosse, where we can just accept, some people have to go through a different experience. And I would definitely say that when I was 16, my first, I went to, I went to high school and my first person that I had to take care of in nursing died. Mm. On, like after my first time taking care of her it was a very disturbing experience for me and, and and at the time I was 16 years old and I didn't think I wanted to be a nurse because of it because it was so much about death and um I, it just turned me away it turned me off but yeah. later on um I learned that that's just what's going to happen that 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 all it happens to all of us and there's a way to go out kicking and screaming and there's also a way to go out in a very calm yes what felt to me more honorable and i yes. think that that's kind of comes up a little bit with stoicism about integrity and honor and i feel that if when you're dying when you're laying on your deathbed wouldn't it be honorable to accept it and go yeah. forward, even if you're afraid? And as a person standing next to a person that's dying, then I'm kind of like, I'll hold your hand. I know this is scary. Right. This is what's happening. We can't do anything about it. And that holding of their hand and just being the steady rock that they need as they're starting to face something that all of us have at least some fear. Yes. I think all of us have some fear of death because it is unknown. Cause we right. don't really know what happens on the other side. And isn't I, it honorable to have somebody at your side that you can hold their hand? Yeah, exactly. And the truth is, is, I mean, that's where the courage comes in. It's not something we really want to face, but the minute that you can accept it, you can die gracefully unless, I mean, God forbid, it's a tragic accident or something like that. But I mean, there is a grace that can happen. I mean, when my father passed away, it was like, a, I always called it a reversed birth. 
it was it was the strangest thing and 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 he was lying there and i saw the life leave his eyes but it wasn't like painful it wasn't it wasn't ugly it was he was like at first it was like a, his heart was going and and i'm sure that was painful but then there was just something where he was just like okay i'm just i'm just going to go and it was like it just left Instead of something coming in, something went out of the body. And to me, I just couldn't think of anything but a reversed birth. And he was going somewhere else, wherever it was, his energy left. Um, but yeah, but it takes a lot of courage to to accept it. I really love what Alan, uh, what Jamie Angel brought up, which is about Alan Watts. He actually said that the way we address death in the Western world is backwards. I mm. totally agree. He said we should be like, congratulations, you're dying. He talks about how we congratulate athletes for finishing races. Why do we not treat the end of the life, end of life the same way? Beautiful. And I'm just going to say that that is so uh, thanks for sharing that, Jamie, because, yeah. um, you know, there was this woman. I'll just share her story because it's super special. She was she was totally like mostly up with it up here like she knew what was going on she was like 98 years old um she celebrated i was actually when i first started to take care of her she was 98 i celebrated her 100th birthday with her and she was still with it okay this lady blew my mind and as she was real short she she was shorter than me and i'm (laughs) 411 okay i was like wow somebody's shorter than me um and so she was short and she just kept getting shorter and, and she had a hip replacement. So she had a hard time walking and I would take her to the bathroom and such. And we would chat. And one of the things that she said was, you know, I said, Oh, your hundredth birthday's coming up. Are you excited? And she's like, you know, I've done this. I've been in this world for a hundred years it would be okay. I mean, I'm glad that my daughter will be here and we'll have some cake and that I can celebrate it with my friends. But, um, you know, I've been around a while. I I think I'm ready to go. Mm. And she started talking like that around her hundredth birthday when she realized she was a hundred years old. And, um, and the more she would talk about it, the more I was like, huh? And she was just very accepting about it. She was very like, you know, I've been here for a hundred years. I've lived in this body for a hundred years and I just think I'm ready to go. You know, Mm. like she just said, I think my body's tired. I'm (laughs) tired. And you kind of felt like if you're a little empathic and you're listening to her, you really feel her tiredness and her been there, done that kind of attitude. And that was one of the moments that I really grew around death um, because, and her daughter, she would speak to her daughter in a similar fashion. And when she was on her deathbed, uh, she was having a hard time breathing and she knew it. um, And she was like, it's time. She seen my face and she knew about our past conversations, you know, and she was like, it's time. And I just looked her in the eyes and I was like, congratulations mm. you have mm. graduated right and she did pass soon thereafter okay wow it was almost like you it's almost like i gave her a little bit of like permission like it's okay we're yeah. okay we'll be okay without you after a hundred years 
honey, you deserve this. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. You have lived a great life. She did a lot of great things. She had a lot of reasons to be proud of her life. And I think yeah. that that, I think most of us would like our death to look something like that. Yeah. Right. Like Absolutely. to feel that way, to feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. My daughter's okay. They're all grown up. You yeah. know, she had like two generations of grandchildren. Oh, wow. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think she felt like they needed her or that, or that she had any more roles that she had played her role. And now her role right. was to die. Right. Right. And that's, that's, that's a beautiful story. That is such a beautiful story. That is a, I mean, my, my grandmother, I think she was 116. Oh my God. Died. Yes. <laughs> At a hundred, she was running around doing her gardens and stuff, but oh my. yeah, um, she got sick and she passed away peacefully, very peacefully from what I was told. It was very peaceful. And to know that, that she lived so long and touched so many lives and, and yeah, she deserved it. She deserved it. You know, my grandfather was 92. So same thing when he went, it was quiet and it was peaceful and, they did so much and they deserve that, that honorable to, in my opinion, way to yeah. go. And in my opinion, that's honorable. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. me or, you know, maybe it's my judgment of it or whatever. Um, but in my opinion, or for you to just suddenly yeah. just, yeah. And you're gone. Uh, in my opinion, that's, that's better. Um, yeah. at least for me anyway, and, you know, it's, I think there's some, some honor in being able to accept how life comes and goes, because, yeah. you know, if we didn't die, we wouldn't appreciate life. No, no. It's that mortality that keeps us in check. When you think about it, that's what keeps you in check. It keeps you in today might be it. This could be it. So I don't think about it every day. Look, girl, <laughs> you think about it every day. <laughs> I take a shower I, every day and every day, this is it. This could be Really? It. So when I get my shower, my shower is when I'm getting ready for my days, I let go of anything that doesn't belong yeah. here, especially if I'm in the shower. And I'm preparing. <laughs> yeah. But for me to prepare is to get myself right. as calm and centered and peaceful as I can get. Mm-hmm. That's how I prepare myself. It sounds like you prepare yourself with all the awful things that could possibly happen. Pretty and then, much. Okay. And then, okay. and then, like I said, at the end of the day, I take, I take an account and I say, okay, it didn't. And it's a good day. And, you know, and then if I wake up tomorrow, I get to do it again and have a whole different set of things that could go wrong. It's, it's not the same thing. Like I could die today. Okay. I didn't die. I could die today. It's more like I could have this circumstance or this could come on my plate. How am I going to react to it? How am I going to deal with it? You know? Okay. So now that you're prepared that this could possibly happen, if it happens, this is how we're going to react. It's, it's literally premeditation, like premeditating my day. And then at the end of the night, wow, it was a great day. Nothing bad happened. It was beautiful. I had a wonderful time at work. Um, I, I got to chat with somebody on the phone or I got to listen to my best podcast or whatever, whatever. And then at that point, being grateful for what good did happen that day. 
you know, there are exercises that Stoics do. Uh, oh, yeah? Yes. Uh, one of them is that in the morning. And then at night, a lot of journaling. Marcus Aurelius, the emperor, was known for journaling. That's how we have his meditations. Um, he would journal every day. And at the end of the night, I start with, what did I do right today? What did I do wrong? What can I improve on? And just basically journal that. And still stay in touch and aware with, um, without, throughout the day. And then, you know what? You can always flip back and say, okay, yeah, I'm, I've gotten better at this. This is good. This is a good thing. Mm, I didn't do so bad, but I don't have to beat myself up because it's something I know I need to work on. That's another thing. Beating yourself up doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's, 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 it, it, it's not productive. It doesn't do you any good. Accountability is one thing. Beating yourself up is another. So being accountable and saying, yeah, you know what? I messed up today. I didn't do this. I lost my temper. I was here. I was there. I was there. I got to work on that. And it keeps you accountable. But sitting there saying, feeling so terrible that you lost your shit. You're human. You're going to lose your shit. Things are going to happen, you know, but you just work at it. That's the whole basis of, like I said, philosophy of life. It's working at it. So. Yeah, I can get really frustrated with like red tape type things I yeah. have to deal with or something like that. So sometimes I can get really frustrated with the system. Yeah. Um, it has a lot to do with my Uranus on my ascendant. Um, I just get frustrated with the system altogether. Um, yeah. The way things work, especially in our world in the United States, drives me a little crazy. Um, and I know that that's a trigger for me. So if I am starting my day... Um, I'll start it with, okay, I hope I have the patience to deal with that today. Right. Help me right. with the, and I usually pray to my ancestors. So, but right. that's, but that's me, you know? Um, and I also spend, so you're talking about where you actually say these things could happen to me today. Um, I spend, I still recognize what could happen to me. And I say right. things in the morning, like I'm grateful to be alive. Right. I'm grateful to not to um to be able to move my own body right. and to be able to do because I've taken a lot of, I've taken care of a lot of people in wheelchairs and so I have and my dad was blind so I'm very grateful to not have you know to be able to see mostly well to hear to feel to taste right. to be able to move my arms and my body um and not be laying in a bed sick you know, right. with cancer or, or to have to live in a wheelchair or anything like that, or have lost my hearing or, so I, I, I spend every day being grateful that I don't, that I'm not dealing with any of that at this time. Right. Right. And I and literally that, use yeah. that word at this time. Right. And that's, that is also a big stoke belief is gratitude. Gratitude is huge because when you're not, when you're not satisfied, you want more. And one of the biggest what do I say? The biggest disappointment is expectation. So when you, that means you're not satisfied with what you have. You don't, you're not satisfied, you know, define success. Some people want money. Some people want the picket fence. And, you know, some people are like, I'm alive today. That's success. You know, it's, it's gratitude is a huge thing in stoicism because then it's not that you don't seek more. You want more, but the whole point is, is that, you also should be happy with what you have. And well, then when you get more, <laughs> you know, even better, you know, it, it, 
it's it's not that it's not goal setting. Of course, it's goal setting. But the whole point is, is that shouldn't be the focus. Right. It shouldn't be the focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I that's how I start my days. Gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then I. uh Yeah. And then I usually pray and ask mm-hmm. uh, for help from my ancestors. And they do help me. They do interfere um with my dealings with others or whatever i'm having to do that day so um yeah so it's you know i'm just gonna say that you know i think stoicism it works for me i didn't even know it until you (laughs) until you brought it up yeah yeah it's it's i'm and, and and for the record i'm a baby stoic okay i am a baby this is this ain't years of learning anything i'm i've years of not realizing that that is a way of life that I had pursued, but I'm still a baby. I still am learning much. I mean, I did bring some really cool quotes, which I thought we could share. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's go um, through them. We only got, we only got like 15 minutes or so left. Okay. 15, this is minutes. one of my, <laughs> the sarcasm runs with stoicism also um, of one thing. See what is the price at which you sell your will. If you do nothing else, do not sell yourself cheap, which I love some of the some of the Stoics, you know, because they're they're very sarcastic. Um, here's another one. My mouse is acting up. How does it help to make troubles heavier by bemoaning them? In other words, making by complaint. OK, you already have troubles. But if you're complaining, you're just making it even heavier. And there's no need for that. And that is a hard thing because we all, I think it's just human to complain. We all complain. Yeah. And see, I struggle with that one because like my bot, like when I'm sick, for some reason, being able to say out loud, I'm sick, Mm -hmm. helps me process it and move through it. Like almost like I have to get it out. It's like saying I'm angry and then past and then once that's acknowledgement that's acknowledgement that's not okay. complaining now if you're sitting there saying oh man i'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired and i'm just tired of being sick and i'm sick <laughs> and tired when it's this consistent and then yeah. you're telling the actor you know and you've said to, to about 50 people that day i'm sick and tired that's complaining yeah. <laughs> now if you acknowledge oh my back hurts well okay let's move it around here all right and right. you're acknowledging it, but I think there's a difference between acknowledging what 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 ails you and bemoaning. That's what I'm saying. If you're bemoaning, you're just like griping and you're complaining all the time, and that's that's because now you're just making it heavier. You know? Okay. Yeah. There's definitely a line. When you yeah. cross that line, that's sometimes <laughs> not easy to know. Right. Especially right. for I, I've had to go through a lot of that recently because I had some. In 2020, I really suffered physically and I found myself complaining a lot in 2019 and 2020 as a physically ill, like just being physically ill. Exactly. We, oh my God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. (laughs) So, you know, but you know, no one's perfect. I, I, I've stopped, I've stopped it, you know, I, I, but I don't feel as sick as I did. So, you know, but I'm also going to say that there was definitely some trauma around that. Oh yeah. Because my, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to be sick. You see, so then when I started, and now I'm sick, and I, it's okay to be sick in my home, right? My partner's oh. supportive, and it's like, okay, what can I do to help, right? That's 
that's what should be the response. That wasn't a response oh, yeah. I grew up with. So right. first I had to, I had to figure out that I was, that it was his, that my sick, that my dealing with sick was hysterical right. and I had to bring it down because I knew it was probably historical and it has to right. do with me having that trauma as a kid, not being taken care of when I was sick, I was ignored and thrown aside and told to not to, to SDFU pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, that I, w I wasn't really allowed to be sick. So as a result, I had to figure out what the trauma was and then, okay, now I need to accept the caregiving from my partner. I need to, and I had to heal that whole trauma. Right. So it was not easy, friends. Absolutely. Not easy. Took but, a couple years. That also goes to show that that help, when that person asks you, because my wife is the same way, if I'm not feeling well or I'm going to, what can I do to help? That actually helps you lessen the complaining. Because Hopefully. now you feel safe to be able to say, hey, this hurts. Can you do this for me? Or can you do that for me? Or, you know, and stuff, because usually you complain. Why? Because you want somebody to help you. And then when they don't help you, hence it gets heavier. And so you complain more. But when you get the help, and you're like, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and say, oh, I got a bad headache today. Oh, honey, is there something I can do to help? Oh, could you bring me some ibuprofen, please? Right. Simple. Complaining done. Complaining's done. You know? Right. So did I complain or did I acknowledge I have this pain? Can you help me with this? That's not complaining. Then at that right. point. It, but when you're constantly sick, I get it. You feel like you're complaining because you're constantly in in distress, you're constantly in pain. So then you think to yourself, oh my God, all I do is complain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, jeez, I'm falling apart at the seams. You know, I'm tired of this. Yeah. But it 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 I think it lessens when you do have someone who will acknowledge that and say, Hey, what can I do to help? And then right. that does help to lessen the comment. But then we're here we go. That person is doing compassion. Here we are, we're collapsing in back to like we're talking everybody's acknowledging their place and what's going on and that compassion from that person is helping you which helps you then you think to yourself i'm going to be more compassionate over here it's once again that domino effect you know right so yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah and i just think i i, I like that quote though that's that's a good that's mm -hmm. a good quote i like that one yeah what else do you got okay we have and to say all in a word, everything which belongs to the body is a stream, and what belongs to the soul is a dream and vapor, and life is a warfare and a stranger's sojourn, and after fame is oblivion. Hence the 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 death thing. You know. Okay. It's it's basically saying, you know, here are all these aspects, and everything has this cause and effect, and here are all these aspects, but at the end the fate it's oblivion. Like it's all this right. can happen. This is a vapor. This is this. This is that. But at the end, there's nothing. It's it's done. So um, I will say that you know, <laughs> nurses and doctors they they work really hard at predicting death, but they are never accurate and will consistently and they know it. Mm -hmm. So they'll always say we can't predict. You know, right? Uh, happens sometimes if you work in hospice, people will. When do you think, when do you think they'll pass? Do you think they'll pass yeah. by tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. And the nurses, we want to say, oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> or no, you have at least 24 hours or whatever. That We want to be able to give you a definitive answer. But right. 
there is no answer. Even no. there are times that people I've watched people live way longer than they should have. Um, yeah. You know, people that weighed less than all. If you took all of your organs and your bones and your skin and weighed them, they weigh about 75 pounds. That that means no, no fat, no, right. just just your organs and your skeletal body is about 75 pounds. I actually took care of a woman that weighed less than that. Oh my goodness. So, wow. so you wonder, right? Like she wasn't functional in her brain or anything like that. She was just still breathing. Her body was still lingering. And so I'm just saying that when, you know, like when you're passing your, your body, you know, it's time to go. Right. And that right. you have no choice as to when that is right. Doctors and stuff. We try to predict it. Doctors and nurses, we try to predict it, but we are never right. Nope, nope, <laughs> it surprises nope, nope. us. Right. I, I mean, that that woman that we took care of that was less than seventy five pounds. I stood there. Yeah, you still with here? The, <laughs> yeah, with the head with the head RN and the nutritionist, who's like, well, she hasn't eaten in three weeks. Wow. She has. She has. She could barely get enough water in her. And we don't even know how she's still alive. And the RN going, I thought she was going to die last week, you know. And it's 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 actually really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing about death is we just don't know when we're going to go. You just no. don't know. No. And your time can end at any time. Yeah. And yeah. I firmly believe in living your life to the fullest each day. Absolutely. And so I like the reminder that <laughs> I like that reminder. I think it's I think pretty it cool. Us- I think it keeps us precious, keeping what's important precious. Okay, so I got one more. Okay, go for it. Don't stumble over something behind you. (laughs) You know what? That is, I like that. I think that's my favorite one. Don't stumble over something behind you. That was Seneca. And I was just like, yeah, this is good because we literally are always tripping over the past. And it's behind us, and we still got to go back and trip over it again. And yeah. that that spoke volumes to me. It was simple, and I said, "This is philosophy at its fullest." You know, went to me. You know, in the sense when I look at that, it's like we're so hell bent on repeating history, and so hell bent on dealing and 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 pulling up the past and pulling it up and pulling it up, and it trips us up because what happens is, is you can't look forward if you're still tripping back there. You can't. Right. So. Yeah. I don't even know how you, I guess the only way to do it is to stop and turn around. And then that stalls mm. your life and your growth and your forward movement. Exactly. And I mean, sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we just have to stop and deal with the past. So I'm just going to say that, you know, being trauma, being trauma informed, I'm just going to say that there's times that we have to go. Hmm. That was really traumatic for me as a kid. Wow. And you just have to stop. You just have to pause. I don't even want to say stop. You more like you pause your life, deal with your inner child that needs to deal with that right right away. As soon as you recognize that something from your past is still lingering, deal with it as soon as possible. Because like he said, don't stumble over something in your past because 
that's what's happening, exactly. right? That's, you know, it's tripping you up. It's be, it's yeah. a trigger for you. It's a sensitive for you. So when stuff comes up and I recognize it as trauma from my past, like I did when I was sick in 2020 and, and, and even this year, I had a little bit of that, God damn it, I'm so sick of being sick. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting frustrated with it and then realizing that I had trauma around it. And then once you recognize the trauma, then you could be like, okay, this is trauma. And then you could go back to your little kid. And what I've had to do with being sick is I've had to go back and say, it's okay to be sick. It's okay that you're sick. It's okay. You can't get things done. It's okay that, you know, that this, this project is delayed or that you can't clean the house your yeah. partner still loves you. It's okay that you're sick. Like I've had to literally do that to my little, to my little kid. Yeah. Um, so I encourage you that every time you stumble across something from your childhood to pick that shit up, feel the emotion and do whatever you're, what the, a good parent would do. Right. What a, what a, uh, a, a parent in integrity would do. Um, and reparent yourself because it's totally worth it and it works. Yep. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it works if you do that stuff. So that is uh, uh, another one stoic thing is, is that stoicism teaches stop the same way that you treat others is how you should treat yourself. mm. We're notorious for giving others more time, attention, compassion, love. And we are so quick to not give it to ourselves. And sadly, it's hard to live a life of integrity if everything you're giving is to everybody else. And if if things start here, you're not giving it to yourself. You can't, then really, if you're giving it out there, is it really giving? If you can't even give it to yourself. So it's it's just something that I've been learning in, 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 in stoicism, I have to treat myself with the same understanding, compassion, respect, dignity that I give to other people. It's like imperative. So. Yes. Yes. I, and, and exactly like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but someone you care about, uh, someone you care about will be giving themselves a really hard time out loud. Mm-hmm. And you know what I always say? I always say, Hey, don't talk to my friend like that. Right. Don't talk. No. Hey, hey, you're not allowed to talk to my friends like that. Stop <laughs> it. That's my friend. And right. I think that's a really great way to help each other out. So yes. if you have a friend that does that out loud, just be like, would you say that to yourself? Mm-hmm. And I even ask myself that uh, when I went, when, or would you say that to your best friend? Like, I ask myself that. Like, if I find myself saying something mean to myself, that's what I ask. Would you say yeah. that? Would you say that to lacrosse? Right. Would you say right. that to, would you say that to Brighthawk? You know, um, and most of the time the answer is no. And uh, then you have to stop talking to yourself like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So those are my quotes. <laughs> Fantastic. I loved our, I love this. I actually think, I don't know about you guys, you guys out there watching Tamala and Eric and Sandy and Jamie. I I think you, I really enjoyed us exploring this topic together. What did you guys think? 
Um, we'd love to have your feedback. And, you know, if you, if you put something in the comments now, we'll see it. Yes. Um, and also if you, you know, something comes to mind later on, you can always go to the rainbow soul group and there's a post there that we're looking for topics, yes. um, to talk about. So like, if there's a topic that you'd love to see us cover or a guest you'd like us to have on, please, 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 please reach out. We are looking for guests for 2022. We're trying to schedule the coming year. So if you have anybody that you're like, oh, you got to get this person on Hollis, just even if you don't know them, that's okay. Just tell me who they are, especially if they're LGBTQIA and they're an artist or spiritual or guru or anything like that. Just, I, I want to know them. Um, I love to feature artists. Love, love, love that. So um, and, uh, I'm going to do a little tarot reading, uh, for tonight as we close up. And I just want to say, I thought this topic was great. Yes. Across, I, really, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> I good. love talking about it. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad it was a good topic for you. I think it was fun to explore this. I didn't even know it was a philosophy or, of life. Like I knew what a stoic was, but I didn't know it was a way of like viewing life and living and. I didn't even realize I was one. <laughs> right? Neither did I. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is cool. Finally got something. <laughs> wow, that's really awesome because something to add know, on to the others. <laughs> that's what happened to me when I walked into uh into into uh, a witch's circle. So I was like, wow, this really vibes with me. This is what I already think. And then, you know, so uh, Cindy Lou Martin said, did I miss the connection of yes, and that stoicism? Was in the beginning. Yeah, you'll have to rewind Cindy at the, when I'm done this tarot reading, catch the tarot reading first and then rewind. And, um, you'd love to see Nick K. Oh, Nick from, uh, Nick, uh, I'll have to check. He's a new daddy. I think if that's the Nick <laughs> you're talking about from Massachusetts. Um, very magical man. He could be that. That would be an awesome person to have here. So this is the love is love deck. This is, um, this is, uh, each card is done by a different LGBTQIA artist. I just like to say that because it's a good collaborative deck. And I'm going to pick three cards right now for the past and the present and the future and how that affects us all. And so... The three cards that I picked, the first card is actually, it's, it's, it's an interesting card. I don't think I've ever actually picked this one. This is a queen of pentacles, which is a beautiful uh, feminine figure. Um, she could be trans, but it doesn't really matter. Um, except that this is, a, you know, a very queer deck, right? But what I think is awesome is that the, it, what appears to me is being like a sun or a halo around her head. And the queen of pentacles usually represents um, a feminine energy that masters, um, that masters the resources, that masters not just physical resources like money and things like that, but also the part of us that manages our life well and things like that. So this is in the past position. So this tells me that there's all part of us, that there's a feminine part of us from the past um, and all of us have some femininity, all of us have some masculinity, some of us just identify on one side of the binary 
uh, stronger than the other. And, um, and some of us are right smack in the middle like me. eh? And so, you know, that, but, but I still have a feminine energy, right? And um, all of us do. And the feminine energy that we have, this is about the nurturing. When I say feminine energy, that's what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the nurturer part of us, the part of us that wants to cook dinner for the family or the part of us that wants to hold the children in our arms or um, give someone a hug and things like that. And those that's exactly what, what she represents, but she also represents the part of her that makes her almost angelic. We all need a hug. We all need somebody to cook us dinner occasionally. We all need somebody to just hold us on a bad day or whatever, or help us manage our home and our resources in a good way. We all need that. We all, every single one of us. And that's what this is, honor that part of us, the part of us that we've done well in the past, that part that has honored our resources energetically and physically um, and that's what this is all about. And this is about the current discourse that might be happening to you right now. It might be happening to any one of us. I don't know about you. This rings true for me, but some of us might be going through a hard time. And this is to recognize the struggle. Now, one of the things you notice about this person's struggle is that they're, you know, they're, they're, they have their weapon. And there are other weapons pointed at them, right? But there's a lot of colors and diversity. And so I just want to remind you that there can even be beauty, even in the fight, in the struggle. And as we get through that struggle, that's what this is all about. This is this is about honoring the chaos of it, because it's also kind of a chaotic picture, like Color-wise, it's kind of all over the place, right? And to honor that chaos and to be okay with it and to just be, this is the conflict and this is where we're at right now. And most of the world is in conflict right now, right? Like we're having all kinds of craziness going on in the world right now. So I'm just going to say that that's what this represents in your life and also in, in the world as a whole. And this third card is actually about our future and going forward. It sometimes is a way to guide us and what to do next. And this spirit here is saying connect. That's what this card is saying. This saying, this card is saying connect with people that are of like mind. This is the two of wands. Wands usually represents thoughts and feelings and behaviors, um, especially uh, intentions. And so this is align yourself with people with similar values and intentions as you. And that's what this is about. It's about partnering and finding people that you vibe with and finding people that work for you. Um, and we all don't have to like every single person we meet and we can find the people that we vibe with. And that's what spirit's telling you to do is to honor you're the also the part of you that had to walk things alone that had to you know make sure that the home was put together or that you're whatever you've had to do that's nurturing in the you know in the past week or couple of weeks depending on when you see this please um and then th this is honoring that part of you the nurturing that you had to do and this is honoring the chaos in that what is now that can feel kind of off or 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 not very good right now and this is 
this is what to do next. So when that relationship presents itself and maybe you're not sure, maybe you're hesitant, check in, check in on the values. Do you guys have the same values? Do you align in that? Do you align in the same thought patterns? Are you thinking on the same level? Are you almost on the same vibration? And when that happens, know that that's the right choice for you. That's what this is about. It's all about partnering two of wands, especially with people of like mind. So I just want to say, take what you like out of that reading. Leave the rest. It's probably not meant for you anyway. It's probably meant for somebody else. And, um, and I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed that reading. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I really loved it, Lacrosse. I think we should find some other topics. Oh yeah. And do this, do a similar thing with some other topics. And thank you, everybody that reached out. Thank you, everybody that's watching. We are hyper grateful for you. Thank yes. you. And I hope that you will take a minute to go to our new website. I've got it 99% together. It's called rainbowsoul.show. Please check out our website. Uh, we have merchandise. So if you want to support us going forward, you totally buy yourself a great, great gift for the holidays. And um, check it out. Just check out our website. And we are starting to put all of our past episodes up there. So each week it will be updating. And if you missed any episodes, you can go check them out there. Um, and you can also catch us on most podcast platforms like we're starting to show up on like Spotify and all of those kinds of platforms. So check us out. Make sure you subscribe on wherever we're at. If we're on Facebook, if you're watching us on YouTube, wherever you're at, please subscribe uh, so you can catch our, our next show. Next week, we are doing a public ritual for Yule. So um, we'll be having some... Uh, hopefully a bunch of queers on here <laughs> some fabulous queers um and we will be coming together i think i think bella's gonna make it oh, no. um and maybe and kendra um, maybe kendra's gonna make it fantastic maybe we'll have some hand pan music with bright hawk so if you are looking for a yule ritual you want to see what that's about you want to learn about that guess what next sunday here, whatever your time zone is, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Good night and thank you, Lacrosse. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, brother. You are so awesome. I'm so appreciate doing the show with you. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for watching Rainbow Soul, a queer perspective on spirituality beyond religion. We appreciate you sharing the show on your timeline, follow us on social media of your choice, and join our Facebook group, Rainbow Soul. We want to hear from you. Share your topic ideas for Hollis and Lacrosse. Explore upcoming shows and interesting guests. The Rainbow Soul Facebook group, where we build community of questioning seekers, Rainbow Soul, where spirituality is our medicine.
support Rainbow Soul. Check out the Rainbow Soul merchandise for your favorite new shirt. A variety of colors and styles to suit your taste. Show off your love for Rainbow Soul. Get cool designs with your favorite quotes. Designs come in a variety of colors so that you can express your most authentic self. Support Rainbow Soul in spreading the word that queer, gender variant, intersex, transgender is sacred. Rainbow Soul, putting the soul back into queer. Order your unique Rainbow Soul merchandise at rainbowsoul.show. Jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So what exactly does that mean? It is a figure of speech in reference to a person who has dabbled in many things rather than gaining expertise by only focusing on one. So much knowledge and wisdom out there at our fingertips, yet so difficult to grasp. Everything and everyone has a little piece of the truth, and it is up to us to determine what our truth is. In this busy world, creating the time, the space to nourish our bodies, mind, and soul has become a difficult task. So let's take a moment to learn something, something small, in whatever way the universe decides to reveal it. It could be someone's story, a quote, a spiritual practice, maybe a song or a movie. The opportunities are limitless and all around us if we just take a moment to see. We are all students of life experiences, so let us learn from one another. There is no right or wrong path. There is only your path and your journey. So let's begin our adventure and explore all the world has to offer, and let us become a master of none.